nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. This is Leanne, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I am really excited uh, for this show that we have today. Our topic today is nursing unions, how have they impacted nurses? And um, uh, I don't know about anybody but me, but I didn't know a lot about nursing unions in my entire career. I never worked anywhere where unions were um, uh, apparent. And so it's kind of a mystery to me. And so I think maybe perhaps to some of you also, I do love history and the thought that this might be a great way to learn about unions um, occurred to me. Today, my guests are Jean Roche, National Nurses United co-president and a passionate advocate for social justice, along with Bernadine Bunny Ingeldorf, a nurse at United Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota, and also the MA first vice president. We will dialogue about this important aspect of nursing uh, in the 20th and 21st centuries. And how did unions get started? When and why? What are the issues in place when they were created? And what is the impact they've had on nursing and the healthcare industry? This is a big topic, and we may t- it may take more than one segment to learn it all. But we would love to hear from you if there are questions you have or things that you would like to learn more about it. So I'm eager to welcome my two guests today, and I have Jean Ross and Bunny Engeldorf. Would you like to introduce yourself with a little bit of how you came to be a nurse and how you came to be here? Sure. Uh, this is Jean. I'll... Uh start here. I am not one of those people who always knew she wanted to be a nurse. I actually did not know what I was going to do with my uh, myself. I knew I wanted to go to college after high school, but I wasn't sure. I ended up doing it because my father said, it's August, you better sign up for something. And I did go into nursing because that's what my sister, my older sister had done, and she liked it. And I'm very, very grateful because it's not only um, given me the career that I have wanted, but also brought me into the labor and justice movement. So I have over, well, I've had 35 years at Fairview Southdale working as a registered nurse, uh, much of that time floating from unit to unit. I knew that we had a union contract when I was hired, but I didn't exactly knew, know what that meant. Um, And as nurses would come up and ask me things while I would be at work, they would say, Jean, you seem to know a lot about the contract, which truthfully I did. I kept it by my on my nightstand and I would read portions of it every night because I thought it was interesting. Um, Anyway, nurses would come up and say, can they do this? And I would say, you know, I don't think they can. Let me look. And we would look it up in the contract. Well, it wasn't long before. The what we call the chairperson of the hospital approached me and asked me to be her co-chair. And I guess the rest of it is history. I was chair at the hospital for over 20 years. And I became active in the state association. 
in several positions, eventually ran for office at the National. We had another union before we had NNU, National Nurses United, which is the National Nurses Union right now. Um, That was called UAN. I was secretary treasurer. We formed National Nurses United in the end of 2009, and I share a presidency, co-presidency, now at the national level. That's amazing. Bunny, share with us what your path has been. This is Bunny. Um, I am a registered nurse. Uh, I did go into nursing uh, right out of high school, uh, initially believing I wanted to be a teacher, but somewhere along the line, um, that path changed into nursing. I do come from a family of healthcare providers, uh, many nurses, so I'm sure that was my influence. Uh, my mother worked in a hospital. And um, I'm actually grateful that I went into nursing. It allows multiple paths, uh, as um, I think Leanne's talked about in many of her shows, that if you're a nurse, you can do a lot of things. So as a nurse, you get to teach as well. So I did ultimately become a teacher. Um, I have worked for many years in hospitals, primarily in the field of orthopedics, neurology, and now psychiatry. And um, I can say as much as uh, I have given to my patients and the profession, the profession and my patients have given to me. I've also become active um, over the last 26 years in our uh, professional association, our union, uh, primarily because the hospitals, when I first started to become active in the union, were looking at changing the way we delivered nursing care. Uh, from the perspective, of this, there was a um, new approach, supposedly, that um, everybody could do everything for the patients. And my concern was, I'm not sure that was accurate, and that nurses were uh, exclusive in some of the work that was provided in our hospitals. Nurses provide nursing care, um, not housekeepers providing nursing care or other um, professionals that actually had not been trained to do that. Uh, So I, in order to become involved and have an impact and a voice, I was told I had to be a union steward. So I was engaged and I was a union steward in order to support the profession and nurses and the patients we take care of. So that's kind of a short story, but has led me into becoming more active in the organization, running for office. And as Leanne said, I'm the first vice president of Minnesota Nurses Association, and I do hold an office at the national level as well in our National Nurses United Union of first vice presidents. And you're also continuing to be a nurse, right? I am continuing. I'm working right now on a a hospital unit that uh, does inpatient work as well as outpatient for psychiatric patients. Okay, which is a huge thing right now. So, again, you're right in the middle of what's going on. Right. So, um, I have to admit a lot of ignorance here as far as, uh, and especially because I wasn't involved in a union, how all this got started, um, when, why. So uh, if one of you could talk a little about that. Well, the Minnesota Nurses Association really has a long 
and very proud history of advocating for our patients, um, public health, and basically the nursing profession. So we've been on the forefront of every health and social justice and nursing profession movement since the early or since the 1800s. So for a very long time in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Nurses Association or MNA traces its roots back to the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Uh, many nurses were private duty nurses and really not required to have training and qualifications. So there were a lot of deplorable working conditions, and it seemed that the need to protect the public from those who claimed to be, quote, trained nurses really propelled Minnesota and our nursing leaders to form a professional organization so that we could establish a, a code of ethics you know, basically elevate the standards of nursing and really promote the interests of nurses, the ones who were taking care of our public. So MNA began the life as the Minnesota State Graduate Nurses Association in 1905 and basically led the movement for licensing and standardization of nursing education. And just two years later, the uh, Minnesota State Graduate Nurses Association secured the first law for the state registration licensing of nurses. So that's really interesting. That started here in Minnesota. So when we talk about registered nurses, we're registered and licensed in our state. Minnesota nurses uh, really have never looked back since that time, Leanne. Uh, Continuing proud tradition of leading on the way of critical issues like public health, um, our nursing education standards and our women's right to vote. We, were, we had nursing leaders involved in, in the suffrage movement as well as civil rights and the 40-hour work week. Some people don't know or remember that we didn't always just have a 40-hour work week. Um, Medicare and Medicaid, workplace safety, single-payer health care, which is something that we adamantly believe is necessary for our country, women's rights, and the creation of Minnesota Care, and many more. So to learn about our history, I think Jean's got a, a few statements for us about Minnesota's first. I do, and I've got a timeline here up through pretty much the present. Uh, the, in 1883, Northwestern Hospital is the first nursing school west of the Mississippi. Really? And in 98, 1898, we had the first professional registry of nurses, I think Bunny mentioned that, in the U.S., and that was established by Ramsey County Graduate Nurses Association in St. Paul. Uh, Bunny spoke about 1907, um, naming the Minnesota Nurses Association from the state graduate nurses, and we achieved legislation for creating the first uh, Minnesota Nurse Practice Act in Minnesota. In 2009, the first continuing university-based school of nursing in the world formed at the U of Minnesota. In 13, Minnesota is named the first local committee of a national program of the Red Cross Nursing Service. We achieved the right to bargain collectively in 1953 for people who might be lay people and not understand what that means. That means that it gives you a right to a union contract, a process to sit down with the employer and actually bargain over for terms and conditions of employment, including your pay. In 63, we had the first multi-employer portable pension plan 
for registered nurses in the United States. And this was established for nurses in Twin City Nurses Contracts. And we retain that pension to this day. It's one of the good pensions that uh, employers all over the country are trying to get rid of right now. And um, we Would that be just within the Twin Cities? It actually went anywhere in the Twin Cities. That that's would, exactly right. You could go from one employer to the other as long as they were considered in this geographic area, which we agreed on with the employers would be considered the Twin City area. And you had a right to that pension no matter which employer in that group you went to work for. So that, that's a really good thing. And we also had something that other nurses and other employees across the country didn't have. We were able to secure the same multi-employer contract at the time. We had one contract for all the Twin City nurses. Now we have been separated, but we all bargain at the same time. In 1984, we had the largest strike in U.S. history, and that uh, through that we were able to achieve our goals to protect seniority and introduce layoff language. Before then, if they wanted to lay a nurse off, they did what they thought was uh, prudent, which was to take all of the pregnant nurses and lay them off because they were going to be off work anyway soon, right? And in those days, before that, uh, a lot of nurses would work up until they got pregnant and then quit and would leave nursing. In 1987, there was a black nurse program introduced by St. Paul Nurses, and that concept quickly became a nationwide model. And say a little more about that, what is black nursing? How would you describe it, Bunny? Uh, it's black nursing is uh, somewhat like home care, right. but kind of um, finding out who in your area needs some help or assistance in setting up a program where you would go in, set up medications, help them out, check on them, find out what their needs are, maybe take them to a doctor. So that it's uh, a community public health based home care like. So but it's not something right. like parish nursing. I was just going to say that very parish nursing is very much nursing. like that. And in fact, I think it's almost used synonymously now, black nursing, parish nursing. Mm-hmm. So again, that was the first and that happened here. In Also in 87, Minnesota contracts include uh, started to include language to prevent disciplining a nurse for refusing to work overtime. Mm-hmm. 14 years passed before any other state implements that similar right. So we were ahead of the curve there. In 01, we negotiated an unprecedented contract right. And this right said that we had the right to close a unit to new admissions if we didn't have enough nurses in the judgment of the nurses working that shift. Um, what we do is we notify um, the supervisors we tell them we don't have enough nurses to care for these patients. You cannot admit more. And for two hours, administration tries to work out something to get us more nurses or to move patients out. And if in two hours that hasn't changed, we close for another two hours. Um, and it took close to admissions. You're closed. not moving the patients that are there anywhere. They're staying there. Right, unless the patients are well enough to be moved. Okay. Yes. And then, uh, I, actually, the hospital that I worked at, uh, Fairview Southdale, had to go on strike to achieve that language when the other hospitals got it. In 2008, we disaffiliated with the national 
Organization of American Nurses Organization, ANA, and we remained what we called United American Nurses. We felt that there was no way we were going to move forward under the aegis of ANA because it was mostly um, professional executive nurses that were running the organization. They did not care for unions much, and they let us know it, so we felt we were really being left behind, and we left them first. Then in 2010, Twin City Nurses broke their own record for the largest nursing strike in the U.S. We did a one-day work stoppage involving 12,000 nurses in 13 different hospitals. Wow. This is all new to me, so I am really interested and interested that it went from us worldwide. We are going to take a break here, and um, I am, I'm just really enjoying this a lot. So I hope that you can uh, come back and join us after the break. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we're talking about nursing unions, how they have impacted nurses. And I'm talking with Jean Ross, National Nurses United co-president, and Bunny Engeldorf, uh, a, a nurse at United Hospital, but also an M&A first vice president. So we will be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
were listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. This is Leanne Meyer, and we are back here, and our discussion topic today is nursing unions, how have they impacted nurses? And it's been already a very interesting discussion. I'm learning a lot, and I'm here with Jean Ross and Bunny Engeldorf, who are both involved in nurses unions locally, but also um, on a um, nationwide uh, level. So let's just come back, and is there anything more you'd like to share with us about the uh, history? Sure. I think in the last segment, I had led us up to 2009, and that was historic for us because we took our union, United American Nurses, and California's National Union, they call themselves CNA NOC, and the Massachusetts Nurses Association, who had never belonged to a national, and we put them together to form National Nurses United with the goal of uniting nurses across the country, obviously, to organize as fast as we could, but also to have an impact on legislation and what is going on in this country, indeed in the world, and getting the nurses' viewpoint out because the nurses are the ones who... Um, advocate for patients and for the public. And I think there's a little more that goes after 09, if Bunny wants to finish up on that. So there's a lot of things that the nurses have done. And through our um, Minnesota Nurses Association, our union, we've been able to use the collective power to um, influence legislative and change uh, things that are necessary to uh, the health of our communities and our patients. One of them in um, over the last number of years, which actually might have been before the 2000s, Gene, is if you go into the hospital, you see a lot of lift equipment and ceiling lifts. We were able to, and I think that may have been before the 2000s, but we were able to actually um, help legislators write a bill to require those, those equipment in hospitals so that Um, Patients are safely moved and will not be injured from being moved, but also so that the workers and the nurses are not going to be injured with a a life-ending, career-ending, not life-ending, but could be, but mainly career-ending injury. So that was one of the things that we feel, um, while our union is able to bring collective voice, uh, as well as in 2015, there was... Uh, a kind of a terrible injury in a hospital, one of our metropolitan hospitals, uh, by a patient who was quite ill, attacking a number of workers uh, right in one of our suburban hospitals. And we were able to impact legislation, uh, violence prevention law, to uh, provide um, education to healthcare workers in all our hospitals, as well as um, put up uh, some preventative measures to keep those kinds of things from happening and to help us all keep safe. Um, There have been events across the country where some nurses have actually been killed in hospitals um, by patients, which 
it's not obviously the norm, but we need to make sure everybody is safe. So those are the, some of the things that when people say, well, why do you want a union? We believe it's important to be collective and come together and speak for what's necessary for our community. I think, too, there was just one thing that I made reference to earlier. Um, you heard me talk about GNU or Global Nurses United. And that's a group we formed, I believe, in 2010, shortly after we formed National Nurses United. And what stimulated that was the fact that we had contacts from nurses around the globe who were very interested in what we were doing, and we compared notes. And what we found out was something that we assumed was true, that nurses have the same issues no matter what country they're working in. And so we get a lot of satisfaction. We have done a lot of national days of action with that group, and uh, we remain connected. That's great, and it's great for this audience, too, because it is a global audience. So um, I think that's really cool. Um, You answered a few of my questions that I I had in there. Um, How have unions changed nursing and changed the industry of healthcare? Well, I think both of us are going to say it's obviously for the better. Um, If you look at just from a nursing viewpoint, we spoke about, or maybe we didn't, the mass resignation in the 1960s. And at that point, the nurses insisted on a national, uh, the national salary goal that ANA had set. Um, Nurses' duties included working with things in the hospitals. Almost everything was made out of glass. And when you, so when you'd go to sterilize some of the instruments or needles, etc., you would very often break things. I mean, people have accidents. All of that breakage was taken out of your paycheck. So you could actually end up with a negative paycheck. Um, Nurses at that point that worked in the hospitals were mostly private duty nurses. And they were some of the worst treated. In fact, they pretty much lived at the hospital. They had cots there. And so they wanted a decent wage and some protection from not having to pay for everything that was broken and just basic rights over a schedule. So it is much better for nurses, obviously. When it comes to patients, maybe some people don't understand exactly what we do as nurses. But our main job is to advocate for the patient. No matter what duty that nurse is doing for you, she is advocating for you as a patient. If something happens, let's just say, and this is by no means made to malign a doctor, but let's just say a physician has written an order that he, she doesn't realize uh, maybe that patient's allergic to that particular medication. It's up to the nurse to catch it. It's up to the nurse to say something to the doctor. Um, there might be something that um, that a patient shouldn't have a certain thing to eat and someone has brought them a tray that has that thing they shouldn't be able to eat. You have to be able to speak up, truth to power, I guess you'd call it, to that physician, to anybody who says otherwise. If you didn't have a union contract, and this still happens to this day in places where nurses don't, you could be fired. It's your job. You must do it to maintain your licensure. You are to protect the patient, but you could lose your job. So it can be nothing but beneficial for patients and the public to have nurses have a union contract. I actually had a situation like that when I was a new grad RN in Denver. 
um, <clears throat> I was working all nights, straight nights. And um, somewhere in the middle of the night, um, I had uh, called, uh, it was probably the resident, as I think back on it, um, who uh, I needed to have an updated order for heparin. It was a heparin drip that was running. And the doctor obviously woke him up, and he was not quite awake. And he gave me an order, and I repeated it back to him. And he said yes, and I wrote it down on my paper, and I repeated it back to him again. Didn't look right to me. It was a new grad. I'm thinking he's the doctor. You know, how far do I push this? And um, <clears throat> so um, I actually ended up hanging up, and I um, was debating: Do I put this order through? Do I? And in fact, what I would have been doing is adding heparin to a bag of IV fluids. And so um, I didn't do anything about it right away and uh, waited, it was probably another hour or so, and then I decided I was going to try again and see if he might be a little more awake. So uh, I did call him again and got the same order, and this time uh, very angry. How dare you wake me up the second time? I said, well, I'm about to hang this bag, and I just, it isn't seeming right to me, and I just wanted to give you another chance to think, you know, if you wanted to change it. So that was it. I hung the bag. Um, <clears throat> I ran it at almost a non-existent rate um, and felt a little bit bad about it. But at the same time, I still was not feeling comfortable with it. So um, the change of shift came and I left. And about an hour later, the day shift called me at home, woke me up and said, uh, what was the order that the doctor gave you? And I told them exactly. And they said, that's what we thought, because it was written down on the paper that you threw away. It was written in the chart. You wrote it in the order as a verbal order. And everywhere along the lane, way, it was the same. What had happened was the, um, I actually was an intern. When the intern came on, um, he looked at the order and went completely white realizing what he had ordered and that it was wrong. So he called his resident down to talk to him. The resident came to the uh, unit and in front of all these nurses, took him by the shoulder and shook him. And he said, you didn't make a mistake. The night nurse made a mistake. And um, so they were calling me to just verify that indeed I had not made the mistake. And uh, because I had not run it, the patient had not been harmed by it. Uh, so everything turned out okay, but that was an eye-opener for me that <clears throat> I better be looking out for myself because it was not necessarily going to be that somebody else would. And the idea at that time was you have eight or ten or whatever years of, of training, and this nurse has maybe, you know, a handful. So she's much more, um, uh, you can lose her easier and with less um, problem than you can a doctor. That's why now with our electronic health record, we've been able to push back and tell physicians that they, and it's an established practice now that they enter their own orders. Yes. Decreases the risk of error. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about that I think uh, plays into all of the conversation is in the last, since the 2000s, Minnesota nurses have been working um, feverishly to address the staffing, primarily in our metropolitan and statewide hospitals. Well, our organization covers Wisconsin, Minnesota, and 
Iowa, so we are addressing all of those areas, but that we are looking to have the right number of nurses to take care of the right number of patients. And we have attempted to do that in multiple ways, uh, first through our collective bargaining, which up has not necessarily been successful for us. Um, and in fact, was a recent was a uh, holdout in some of the recent negotiating even within the uh, metropolitan area in 2016, where there was a, a big contract negotiations with uh, the Alina Health Corporation. Uh, and we have been working legislatively as well to introduce staffing ratios where we would be defining the right number of nurses for the right number of patients in multiple areas within our hospitals. And we still strongly believe that is the only way that our, our patients are going to be protected and assured that, they, that our hospitals have the right amount of staff to care for them. So we continue that. And I would add on to that, to what Bunny just said. We do believe that. We also have plenty of research to show that that's true. And we have uh, history to go by. If you look at the California Nurses Association, they were, thankfully, after 10 years of trying, uh, able to achieve that state staffing legislation. And there you can actually see well, I know for a fact that one of the hospitals actually made more money after putting the staffing ratios into effect. And that is something we as nurses tried to tell them for some time. Not only is it the right thing to do because it's safe for the patients, prevents injuries and worse for the nurses, but it also will keep you from paying so much overtime or hiring traveling nurses, which cost more. In the long run, you will end up being fiscally responsible. And that's been borne out to be true. You mentioned research, and that's something I'm curious about. Are the unions doing research? Um, That's one of the ways that doctors have not looked at nurses as being professional because there was no research that verified what we do uh, as being valuable. So kind of like where you were saying, Bunny, at some point in the past where they just felt like anybody could do what nurses do. Um, so is that something the unions are involved in? We are always doing research in, in our national union, National Nurses United. We have a branch that does that. And then we use research from others like the Linda Aiken study, uh, the two of them that I mentioned that had to do with staffing ratios where she proved that uh, – For every patient you add on to a nurse who already has a certain number, the patient's mortality will go up. It it just does. And again, those anecdotally, we knew that, but it's nice to have the research to show it. Is there anything you wanted to add? I I was going to say, as far as research, not only research impacting um, direct professional care provision, We and our National Nurses United uh, in our research uh, look at the impact of um, social issues on our communities, the impact of climate change on our communities, and the necessity to address those issues. And we also look at them from a political perspective and legislatively address them. That sounds like something we're going to talk about when we come back from the break. So we are at that point, and uh, again, if you're just joining us, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, 
uh, exploring the world of nursing, and we're talking about unions um, uh, locally and nationally and globally. Um, I'm talking with um, Jean Ross from the National Nurses United co-president and Bunny Engeldorf, who is uh, also has a, a national um, uh, role, and uh, she's an MA first vice president. So we will be coming back in just a couple of minutes, and um, I hope that you will join us. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to LeanneVoiceAmerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us on this particular segment. We are talking about nursing unions, how they have impacted nurses, and I'm talking with Jean Ross, who is a National Nurses United co-president, and Bunny Engeldorf, who is a nurse in St. Paul, uh, an MA first vice president and also has a role in the national uh, nurses. A couple of things I wanted to mention, um, and I can't recall if we talked about it offline or not, 
um, the idea that global nurses, what we find is that nurses all over the world have the same problems um, and, and the same realities that we are seeing here in the United States. And you wouldn't necessarily think that was true. The other thing Bunny was mentioning just before our break, um, she was talking about the role that nurses have in um, civil rights and uh, social justice and also climate change. And so maybe we could talk for a couple of minutes about that. Uh, what do nurses have to do with that? Well, we get asked that a lot, uh, particularly when we're having an effect. Um, <laughs> why, why do nurses care about, for example, the Robin Hood tax, the tax on Wall Street? Well, we care about it because it funds all the things that nurses believe are good for the public, like a secure retirement, like a roof over your head, like adequate nutrition, like a guaranteed education, um, those kinds of things. It's like a new bill of rights for people. And so, yes, nurses should be involved. I think Bunny went into it in the history previously. Our nursing leaders from the 1800s recognized this. Um, You can't... Some of the things we see in the hospital with patients just can't be fixed in a hospital anymore. So you come in for, I don't know, an appendectomy, an appy, or a ruptured spleen or something like this. Years ago when I first started nursing, we would maybe be able to patch them up and send them home with education. Now that person might not have a home. That person might be homeless. Or that person doesn't understand a thing you say because Minnesota, thankfully, has become much more diverse. So we have different challenges than we did. And then there's been this awful for-profit healthcare system that we have here in this country. Can't even call it a healthcare system. It's a medical system. And until that changes, until we have something like Medicare for all, we are going to be battling patients over profits and the employer will insist Profits come first. That's the world we live in. So in order to fix those things, you can't do that at the bedside while you're caring for a patient, but you sure can in your other time. And that is why we advocate so hard for the social justice issues that Bunny had started to mention. When it comes to the climate crisis, that in particular is near and dear to our hearts because we see the ill effects of the climate crisis on our patients. The incidences of asthma in younger and younger ages just keeps going up. New diseases that they don't even have names for anymore or or yet. And then um, diseases that we didn't used to see in our part of the country. Talk about Global Nurses United. Remember the Ebola scare. It was never going to happen here, right? And we saw what we feared when that occurred. Nurses and other healthcare workers were pretty much abandoned. And if something happened, it was your own fault. That's a very old-fashioned attitude, but there it is. Mm-hmm. And the climate change is big. Um, we all know that um, air quality affects all of us, how we breathe, whether we have asthma or don't have asthma. Clean water, our drinking water. Um, there, we've been active in parts of the country where there has been a clean water crisis. Uh, we've partnered with organizations across the nation wanting to maintain clean water. Um, the Bold Nebraska uh, Cowboy and Indian group that we're trying to stop the pipeline 
because it would go under the aquifer, which could damage their our water. So we believe that, and we research, we, you know, it's science-based. This is a, a proven science-based reason to support. And it is what nurses do. Nurses take care of people. So why would we not take care of our planet and our climate? We do that in multiple ways, whether that's in the hospitals or on the steps of the Capitol, wherever we have to. One of the things that um, it rang for me was I just recently was listening to Minnesota Public Radio, and they had a story about um, uh, back in, uh, I've forgotten now, was it 2000, when um, uh, Louisiana had the um, uh, Katrina. Katrina, thank you. And um, the problem was not the hurricane. The problem was that the levees gave way. And being a bowl, which this had been talked about for 50 years, the damage and, and danger of this. And uh, so the, the documentary was talking about a hospital that got stuck right in the middle of that. And before even possible to get patients out, um, they were stuck. And uh, the story of what the nurses went through, the decisions that had to be made, uh, just frightening. I work with a nurse who is from New Orleans, who has her and her family transplanted to Minnesota, in part because the wages were better in our union facilities. But she was a new graduate just off of orientation in New Orleans as Katrina hit. And she tells the stories where the nurses had been telling the hospital administration the janitor, gen, gen, generator the generator needed to move off the bottom floor or they were going to be in trouble and had been saying it for years. So we know what happened. It flooded. The generator didn't work. They were hand helping people with breathing, breathing by hand for hours and hours. And she says until it just couldn't be done anymore. And the 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 um, terror for the nurse and the patient and the families to and be in no that situation. no way to know when that was going to end. They no. had no way of knowing that there was a crisis happening, not just in their small right. area and their hospital, which should have been a priority for relief, uh, but that it was happening all, all over, over the city and there were not people to come and rescue. And when everybody else left... The nurses stayed because that's what we do. And actually, when you brought up Katrina, I was glad because that brings up another thing we were able to do with our national union, National Nurses United. We have a group called RNRN. It stands for RN Response Network. And Katrina was possibly the first, but one of the first incidences in which we were able to get our volunteer nurses there. And we have an excellent record, whether it's the results of the tsunami, the earthquake, Haiti, Katrina, we are able to get our nurses in more easily than some of the larger organizations like the Red Cross. Hmm. So whatever we do, we do it well. We go out where there's been a disaster. We scope it out, make sure that it's safe for our nurses to go there. And then those nurses set up shop and help care for You know, it's interesting because we think about uh, even um, 9-11 when everybody knew that the police and the firemen and all of those people were going into danger, but you didn't necessarily hear 
all of the nurses that came to Ground Zero and were working with mm-hmm. the people around that area and for years afterward had health issues with breathing and other things. Um, what is, if there was one main thing you would like to get the nurses of the world to know about unions, about um, the work that that nurses can do, how we can impact in so many ways the the quality of life that people in the world have. Who would think, you know, that nurses have such a huge role? I would say it brings voice, collective voice to our patients, not only to our profession, but to our patients. So while, yes, it impacts us from an economic in a better, safer workplace. It also gives us the voice to impact the delivery of patient care in our patients and our communities, mm-hmm. which is a very special opportunity that not a lot of people have. And I think when you talk about not a lot of people have, it's usually for very good reasons. I think I spoke earlier about how difficult it is, depending on where you live, especially to form a union. But I would say, especially for nurses, give it a try. Um, it, it's hard work. Um, often we can help you. But uh, it, it's it's really necessary for your practice. It's necessary for your physical and mental well-being. And the world can really change if there's a huge nurse movement. We have the numbers. We have the inclination. We have the expertise. And people trust us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone listening is aware of the Gallup poll that's been done, I believe, for the last 17 years. But in that poll, the question is asked, which is the most trusted profession? As you can imagine, toward the bottom are attorneys and hospital administrators. But at the top, every year, save one. Registered nurse, nurses at the top of the list, number one. There's a reason that people trust us and count on us. And I think we could never take that lightly. We have to guard that jealously. Um, I was just speaking with um, a nurse who uh, is no longer working in nursing currently, um, but she was telling me about as far as businesses, um, what they're looking for in employees. Uh, The number 10 thing that they were looking for was nurses. And that was not just hospitals or, you know, clinical areas. It was people that Um, No matter what the job was, if it was a nurse, they knew that there was something that person brought to the job that was uh, something that couldn't be trained and that would be beneficial for their organization. So that really surprised me. Um, So I'm wondering if somebody is out there somewhere um, in in the nation that doesn't have a union or somewhere in the globe that doesn't have a union, can they actually contact? How would they... Who would they contact? How would they contact somebody to say, how do we start doing this? Well, they could certainly contact us. We're uh, nationalnursesunited.org. And if we can't help them considering where they are, what's going on in their particular unit um, facility, we can direct them to somebody who might be able to. And certainly in the state of Minnesota, they can contact the Minnesota Nurses Association uh, directly by phone. And there is a website. Contact them and ask and say there's an interest. We'd like to talk to you about it. We'd be more than happy to have that conversation and see how we might be able to help them form a union. 
Okay, that sounds like really great information to have. And, um, you know, I hope that it will make people who have not understood nursing, uh, nursing unions, myself included, to have a little better concept of the depth and breadth of what this is. It's not just about money and it's not just about um, patient ratios, which oftentimes that's the only thing that seems to come to the fore. And, um, you know, to be able to really understand that there's much more that, that goes into this. So um, I, I hate to say it, but we're at the end of our time. And um, so we will be um, ending this conversation, but this has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we have been talking, um, I'd love to have either the two of you or maybe some other people be able to come back at another time and talk about nursing unions and uh, some of the impact and some of the things that people could be involved in, um, in connection with that. Um, I'm very grateful to have uh, Jean Ross, National Nurses United co-president, and Bunny Engeldorf, uh, a nurse who works here in Minnesota at um, United Hospital, also is an MA first vice president and has a, a role in the National Nursing Union. Um, this is uh, a topic I'm sure that we could um, talk much more about, and I hope that we will be able to do that. So I welcome you back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse uh, next week, and um, we will have a new topic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.